Ask him to walk. Be nice. If you won't walk, walk him. But be nice. If you can't walk him, one of the others will help you. And you'll both be nice. I want you to remember that it's a job. It's nothing personal. Texas winning the Director's Cup for the second year in a row proves the commitment of the athletic program and the university to excellence, to eliteness, to being the very best that they can be. That brings to mind Gabe Winslow and his amazing team because Gabe has been there among the elite from the very beginning and he's not going anywhere. You need to reach out to him at 832-557-1095 or you could simply go to mortgagesbygabe.com. Here's the down low. In the mortgage industry, there is tremendous value to dealing with people who are extremely bright, who understand the industry, and they're not just order processing. And two, it's very useful to work with someone who's very ethical, who's not going to leave you high and dry when you're trying to buy your dream house. That's Gabe Winslow. That's why you need to dial these digits. 832-557-1095. He's located in the greater Houston area, but he serves our listeners everywhere in the great state of Texas. And we're going to be adding some other states as well down the road. So keep your ears out for that one. Call Gabe. He's the best of the best. You're not going to regret it. If he's not your first call, you better make damn sure he's your last call. Hey, y'all, just a quick heads up that, of course, the Thinking Texas Football Preview, the Burnt Orange Bible is still available at Amazon, on Apple, and, of course, at Smashwords. That's for you Kindle e-readers. You can download the MOBI version, and it's a perfect conversion. Uh, Hey, I really appreciate all the folks who have uh, gone ahead and bought the preview and, of course, who have left reviews. If you're on the fence, if you got a toe dipped in the water, you're not sure if you want to jump in, hey, do me a favor. Just go to Amazon, enter in 2022 Thinking Long, thinking Texas Football or Longhorn Football Prospectus or put my name, Paul Wadlington. The preview will pop up. You'll see 25 reviews as of July 21st, and you'll see that they're all five stars. If you go look at Apple, you'll see 14 reviews, all five stars. If you go to Smashwords, there's seven or eight reviews, all five stars. I think you get the gist. The point is, I think a lot of people enjoy it. It's the 10th time I've done this, and I don't think you'll get a better perspective on the Texas Longhorn football team, the Big 12, or the Texas Longhorn opponents. It's written with uh, hopefully some wit, clarity, and insight. And I appreciate all of you supporting the Burn Orange Bible. Go out there and buy a copy. You'll enjoy it. We're back, and uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring back Jerry Hamilton. Jerry? I've got a problem. I try to do intro clips from different movies. Uh, first time I had you on, I did the Hamilton guy from Best in Show. Okay. Parker Posey and that guy both have adult braces, and his name is Hamilton. They met at Starbucks, not the same Starbucks. There you go. Okay. Had a from Starbucks. They each saw okay. each other. So that was one Hamilton. The next Hamilton was, of course, Hamilton from Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Okay. I grabbed the clip when Spicoli comes out from the bathroom and they, he foils the robbery. And he's like, totally awesome, Hamilton. Outrageous. <laughs> so I got to go find some. I'm going to have to go hit the Broadway musical. Oh, yeah. Or we could switch it up. Let's just do Roadhouse or something crazy. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll do a Roadhouse for you. All right. I'm going to write. Yeah, there you down. go. So I don't forget. Yeah. Are you going to do the, you want me to do the be nice speech from Patrick Swayze? Yes, exactly. 
Because that's that's you. You're very nice. But when it's time not to be nice, Jerry's not. That's exactly what I was thinking. All right, buddy. Well, something nice that happened for the Longhorns was they got the commitment of Malik Muhammad. Uh, He is an outstanding cornerback from South Oak Cliff, obviously state champion South Oak Cliff. Rare in this time or era that you see a DISD school put it together. Uh, This is that's a testament not only to their talent, but also Maybe some guys that look, there's a, there's a historical bad rap on some of these ISD schools that they don't right. maximize. It sounds like they've got a bunch of guys on that, on that, in that high school that are maximizing is Malik Muhammad. One of those guys. Yeah, no question about it. And, and I'll tell you what, they have 11 kids committed right now going into this year. They, they're more talented this year than they were last year, but the quarterback is at SMU now as an athlete. So we'll see how they do, but I think they have strong leadership. And I think Malik is one of those guys. I think he's, you know, look, I think one of the, I said it on Austin radio this morning. I think one of the big things about the Malik Muhammad commitment for Texas is him and John Tay Cooker, they're powerful voice voices in DFW. They're kind, I don't want to say they're Pied Pipers. I'm not saying they're TJ Ford now, but they're strong voices on really good teams, DeSoto, Dallas, South Oak Cliff. They're guys that younger kids all know who they are. Um, I think it's two huge commitments, and I know we're going to get into it because, look, let's be real, Texas kind of sucked in DFW under Tom Herman for a while, and it's been a point of emphasis for Steve Sarkeesian and the staff. Jeff Banks hire was a big one. Chris Gilbert obviously was a big one. Um, So Texas has made some serious inroads in DFW, but it's really, to me, Jonte Cook, Malik Muhammad in the 23 class that's going to give them a push moving forward. You know, Justin Wells does a good job of calling out Chris Gilbert's contributions. You've mentioned him. I know a guy who's a high school football coach in the DFW area, and he said, that's not hype. Chris Gilbert is beloved and respected. And, you know, sometimes you can get a little bit of um, jealousy. You know, Texas high school football coaches have a lot of pride. Yes. And there's a sense of why not me? Why him? They said there's none of that with Gilbert. He's seen as a genuine dude and everyone's genuinely proud and happy that the guy's representing him in Texas. Yeah. And so you got to give credit to Jeff Banks because I, from what I was told, that was his suggestion, the Sarkeesian, uh, dealing with uh, Chris Gilbert for many years, recruit the DFW area, whether it be at AM, Alabama, or what have you, um, that uh, Banks was the one that brought that to Sarkeesian and then the Texas football staff. So give him credit for that. And yeah, I think. Uh, I think Gilbert is uh, such a good dude, such a funny guy. You know, I've, I dealt with him for well over a decade going in and out of, uh, you know, uh, Lancaster High. Uh, but, yeah, that's a, it's a huge he, – he's a huge piece uh, of the puzzle in the DFW area. And I think that carries over in East Texas a little bit as well, honestly. Um, you know, maybe uh, Tyler High, um, you know, some of those spots in East Texas where you're not all the way out the Marshall, but, you know, just a couple hours away. Uh, but, yeah, I think it was a huge hire. Um, look, it's, it's still, while NIL and everything gets uh, the lion's share uh, of the news nowadays, it's still a relationship business. You have to be able to get in the door. You have to know the people to call. You have to know who the champion of the recruitment is. Uh, and I think Gilbert's on a lot of that in the DFW area. Hey, let's talk a little bit about Malik Muhammad, the player. Uh, watched his film. I had a chance to look at his huddle. Uh, man, he's a smooth guy. He's long. Yes. Yes. Very skinny, uh, but, you know, not, not soft on the field. No. Good no. makeup speed, and uh, he glides, which is always a good sign in a player because as they get stronger, they start to develop more dynamism, more explosiveness. 
But if yeah. you have that kind of easy mover, whether it's a defensive lineman or a corner, a guy who can flip his hips, that's always a huge deal for a corner. What, what am I missing? What would you like to add? No, I, I think you're on it. One thing I'll say is the thing that surprised me at uh, Future 50 two weekends ago down at IMG in Bradenton, he, I call him wiry strong, but he's starting to get some definition up top. He looks like a guy that's getting ready to come to the college game and actually play and run support, which is always with corners. That's the last thing you think about, but it's kind of like blocking with, you know, pass pro as a running back. I mean, you got to be able to play the run at the corner position. Uh, and, and I think he is a, has the mentality to do that. And I think his frame's filling out. He's always been a strong kid in like his thighs and, and, and legs, but now that upper body's coming along with it. Uh, he's a plus four wingspan guy at Under Armour camp in March. Um, he ran a four one one laser shuttle, which in laser that's that's getting it. I mean, Jonte Cook ran four oh seven um, at the same camp. I think uh, JV and Toviano ran four two one at the same camp. So Muhammad's right there. Four one one is a really good time uh, it, it, considering his age. Uh, he's got nine inch hands. He's got big hands. You know. Wow. As a player, I just love how patient he is. It's one he's like you said, he's smooth, he's a glider, he's got instincts. I like his patience too. You don't you don't see a guy lunging when he's in press. You don't see a guy putting himself off balance in bad positions. I think the big part of Malik Muhammad's game, and look, he's an NF, he's when guys are ranked this high, they're NFL prospects, right? I mean, some guys will wash out due to injury or something that happens off the field, but a lot of times these guys that are ranked this high. A high percentage of these guys get drafted, right? I mean, Nick Saban was on the phone for an hour Tuesday night with him, trying to get him to not go to Texas and go to Alabama. So it, it tells you a lot about uh, the college coaching staffs and what they really thought about him. Because Malik went uh, to Tuscaloosa in June and did a personal workout for Saban. And Saban shut it down before the one-on-one started, said, I don't need to see anything else. And so he's wow. been, a, it, it, he's been a, a guy that Alabama's coveted at the cornerback position. And it is part of that because he's from Dallas, Texas, and Nick loves to recruit Texas, maybe, but he's still in the top three or four or five corners in the country. But I think the big thing is, so once you say Malik Muhammad's at Texas, can he be a first-round pick? Can he be a third-round pick? Can, is he going to be a fourth-round pick? It's going to be making plays on the ball. I, I think that's one of the things when you look at him, I think will, would maximize his ability is plays where he times it and leaves his feet and go makes a play on the ball, football and snags the interception i think he's got it in him i think that's still an area where he can improve um but he's so good in other areas he's going to stay attached he's going to be able to scheme versatile he is a smart kid he is going to be able to sit on the board and understand or sit in the room and understand what they're coaching him from a defensive scheme standpoint it's a family athletes and and here's the other thing what South Oak Cliff, to your point, what they did last year was it's kind of legendary. I mean, it's been done in basketball a lot at South Oak Cliff, right? But uh, I think he's one of the leaders of that program, if not the leader of the program. And, and it says a lot about what he brings to the college game more so than what we see on film. Well, yeah, you mentioned the family of athletes. I mean, it's pretty amazing. I hadn't picked up that A.J. Green was his cousin. A.J. Green, the corner from Oklahoma State. It'd be better if it was the other A.J. Green, right. <laughs> wide receiver from Georgia, who was the star for the Bengals. I wouldn't be talking about him leaving his feet to intercept the ball if that was his cousin. <laughs> yeah, that would be pretty nice. Uh, talk about body control. But uh, A.J. Green from Oklahoma State was a good corner, and they played that strict press man coverage system. A.J. Green coming out of high school, Jerry, you'll recall, oh. 150 pounds soaking wet. Yeah. That's why he was a, a three-star recruit. 
I hate y'all take a shot because I'm about to say something I always say. If the traits are there and the frame is there, body weight is irrelevant. Right. Young men put on weight by eating and lifting weights. And before you know it, he's 190 pounds. It's not right. hard. Right. Exactly. No. And, but yeah, to your point, super athletic family, right? I mean, five, six, seven uh, family members in the tree that played college football, girls, basketball, what have you. The dad played on the South Oak Cliff. I believe it was 91 state championship basketball team. Um, so, you know, look, his dad's a big dude. His dad's probably six, two and a half, six, three. Um, he had a number of cousins there yesterday, females. They're 5'10", 5'9", 5'11". I mean, there's some tall people in that family tree. It's an athletic looking group just walking around, coming in for a press conference to commit. I'll say that. But um, again, I think that goes with the expectations for him. You know, it, look, it, it's one thing to be, a really good athlete at a small town, right? It's another thing when you're a really good athlete in a major city and you have six, seven family members in your family tree that all play college sports and some are playing professional sports. Uh, so I think there's an expectation that comes with his talent too. And uh, that adds a little more pressure to him, but I think he handles it. He wants to be, you know, he likes to be seen as an alpha personality, right? And I think that's kind of where he came up. Um, and, and, and how his dad brought him up and, and he, he embraces expectations. And I think that's been missing at Texas. And I think that's kind of a welcome addition. Some of these guys that Sark's bringing in. Yeah. Hey, complete tangent. Um, and we'll, we'll get, move on to the big board. You mentioned the laser shuttle time, just completely random. I was reading about Josh McCown and I ended up going down a little hole secretly one of the greatest pure athletes at the quarterback position to ever come out of Texas. Yes. Uh, a three, nine, one laser time shuttle at six, four, two, 20, four, five, 40 guy. And could Vince Carter dunk? Oh yeah. He could, yeah. he could do like crazy reverse jams in basketball games. Uh, Josh McCown secretly one of the greatest athletes to ever play the quarterback position. Well, in it was too, it's too bad. We don't have Jeff trailer on this podcast with us because he was one of the, he, he was out on that Jacksonville staff before he got the Gilmer head coaching job. Um, and he would tell you the same thing. One of the best athletes he's coached. Yeah. Uh, uh, apparently the dude who in NFL locker rooms, when they play pickup is the number one draft pick in every right. game. <laughs> yeah. 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 Ping pong, whatever, what have you. Yeah. Shuffleboard. He's that guy. He's that athlete. He's good That's at whatever right. he does. All right. um, hey, hey, I want to add one more thing on Muhammad, please. So, because I should have mentioned it earlier, talking to his dad yesterday before we did the live announcement. Um, what, one of the interesting things I picked up, which I, I kind of knew, but I hadn't really totally put it together. So, um, Jonte Cook put out the photo of him and Malik in youth league football, right? So, we knew they kind of grew up together, and a lot of those kids grow up in youth football in that area, but the dad mentioned I, I was kind of talking to him I was like yeah man I mean this this whole area I said Malik committing Jonte it's a big deal I said that carries over the basketball a little bit I've seen this happen before with Vince and TJ and when you get the ball rolling in a certain area and I said Ron Holland man he's coming to visit Texas September 3rd because we were talking about uh, two of Malik's younger cousins are 6'6 six, six and 6'8 six, freshman and eighth grade basketball players Dang. and I said what well, I said, where are they going to sock or Duncanville? He said, no, no, they're coming to sock. And he said, Duncanville's got enough. So I got into that conversation. And I said, well, about the recruiting, carrying over the basketball, Ron Holland's going to come in September 3rd with his family for uh, an official visit to Texas first football game. And he said, well, you know, what's funny about that. He said, Manny Malik 
and Ron Holland grew up playing AAU basketball and youth league basketball together. So all those kids on that I-20 line, right? That school, that's one of the most talented areas in the country. We've talked about it before. You start at, you can start at Wilmer Hutchins and work your way west, really. Uh, but but then you get to DeSoto, Lancaster, Cedar Hill, all Duncanville, all those schools in that area right there uh, produce probably as many Division One football players in that mile radius as anywhere in the country does. And they all know each other and they all played youth league sports together and it's not just football it's basketball it's baseball it's whatever so it, it's it's going to be interesting to see does that mean ron holland is going to texas certainly not but there's that familiarity and, and we like you said paul we've talked we've seen this before tj vince and some of those guys in houston you start getting that kind of snowball going and you kind of become that cool school again so that's going to be a big recruitment coming up for the texas basketball is Ron Holland. If Texas can get Ron Holland over Arkansas and Kentucky, then you have not you have the top football and basketball prospects from that little area. Wow. I'm going to put a pin in this. If we get Holland, I'm cutting this clip out. I'm going to rep you hard. If we don't get him, I'm going to bury it. I'll just delete it. Yeah, we, yeah, we won't worry about it. Yeah. It's never happened. All right, let's go through the board, man. All right, Texas is – I know they're taking more than 25, we think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this board is looks great, and it's gotten better every month. And I'm talking about Anthony Hill. Let's just talk about him right off the bat from Denton Ryan. He was a guy that looked like we were on the outside looking in. Now I feel like we're the favorite. Yeah, I, I think Texas is the favorite headed into AM visit next weekend. Um, it, it's going to be interesting because, look, AM suddenly has a lot of pressure on them. Uh, Texas has a lot of momentum. Um, there's a lot of momentum in DFW and look, nobody, nobody understands that better than Jimbo Fisher and his staff because of what they did last year in Houston to Texas and, and, and LSU. I mean, they, they was damn near a clean sweep in Houston, yeah. the top guys. So there's a lot of pressure. I think the Anthony Hill recruitment goes to a total different level here to end July. I really believe that um, A&M's got to do absolutely everything they can to win this recruitment because if Anthony Hill visits AM, turns around two, three weeks later and commits to Texas, then that's pretty much it for AM in, in this class as far as where they could, what they could do with momentum in state. I mean, could they flip Peyton Bowen, who I think is tremendous safety committed to, to, to Notre Dame from Denton Guy? Sure, maybe they can flip him. Um, could they still win out for Toviano? Possibly, yeah, but they would be working against some pretty heavy momentum. So I think that Anthony Hill recruitment's about to get real, and I mean real, in the next few weeks. Okay, well, <laughs> Jerry Smile communicates some subtext here. Uh, hey, is, is Hill a possible entree into Peyton Bowen's recruitment for Texas, or is Texas just not happening? Yeah, I talked to Bowen at Future 50 last weekend. I guess it was last weekend. Now, hell if I know. It's good, a few days ago. And, um, you know, I asked him a kind of roundabout way, you know, I, I asked him about A&M in Oklahoma. He said, yeah, you know, that their potentials, I think everybody knows that he's been on those campuses since he's committed to Notre Dame. And I said, what about an LSU or a Texas or anybody else? He said, nah, I don't really have an interest in either one of those. So we'll see if that changes. But right now it looks like I think A&M has the best shot to flip him. And I think Oklahoma has the second best shot to flip him. Hey, I, I, we, we tend to be a little inward looking sometimes in our, as a college fan base, Notre Dame just killing it right now in recruiting. Unbelievable. What's changed other than the head coach? 
I think that's all that's changed. Look, I, I when I when I lived down in Jupiter, Florida, I would do a lot of you know spring football games in South Florida, and I had the chance to spend a pretty good amount of time with Marcus Freeman when he was under uh, when he, when he was an assistant. Um, I think he was at Purdue at the time, and you knew the personality was there. It was the it was a first conversation thing, the way he communicates. The way it, the way he can relate, um, I, I think, to kids, and there's a reason Notre Dame moved really fast to keep him and hire him as the head coach. They could have had Matt Campbell, right? Yeah. I mean, that said a lot to me about kind of what I thought about Marcus Freeman. Um, so he is one of these young coaches that I think relates so well to kids. He has great relationships. Um, and I think he's, you know, the resume speaks for itself defensively, uh, but now he's got to go win games because the, it, this stuff can, you know, the, this stuff can change pretty quickly uh, for you if you struggle at, the, at Notre Dame in year one, right? Because it, it, like, it's no different than Texas. If you go out there and don't have a great year, then people are going to immediately start questioning you. But as far as a recruiter, he is the difference. He is a tremendous recruiter, and it's a genuine it's genuine. It's it's similar to Jeff Trailer to me. There's just a genuine way he communicates with guys, and the kids respond, and the parents respond. And to me, that's what makes a really good recruiter. Is that it, can you communicate in a genuine manner uh, to the kids and the parents, and the message is always the same. And the parents and the kids don't get together and say, "Well, what he said this versus what he said to me." Those guys tend to recruit really well, and I think Freeman's got it. So I guess. Uh the great barrier to Notre Dame recruiting isn't necessarily, can you pass freshman calculus? Maybe it was the recruiter. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. But, and like I said, I, I, I think it's going to be very interesting for Notre Dame on the field. Look, maybe one, maybe the young quarterback comes through for them, but I just haven't been big on their quarterback recruiting. And um, I, I really think thought they, that that's been an issue. I mean, look, book was a good player, but that's, they needed some body to another level to overcome the deficiencies when you play in Alabama or Georgia, right? When everything's on the line or Clemson, it's going to be interesting to see where they go at quarterback. I really think that's going to be huge for Freeman. Interesting. Okay. Darian Gallette. Yep. Uh, look, I, I feel like he's Texas has the lead similar to what you were saying about DFW and AM. Looks like the Aggies are going to make a push for him and, and, and try to get a, you know, be a, be a part of the East Texas recruiting because Texas has done really well there. Uh, did his knee injury affect his, his uh, stance, his, his position on our board? No, it didn't affect uh, anything with Texas. Um, I, I think that's actually a strength for Texas in this recruitment is he's had those really good relationships with the Texas staff, and that hasn't changed since his injury. Um, he had surgery a couple of weeks ago. I think he had surgery – maybe the Monday or Tuesday after his Texas official visit. And speaking with a source at Marlin a couple of weeks ago, it's interesting, Texas and Oklahoma were the schools calling to check in on him, see how he's doing on a daily basis, right? And does that mean the kid's going to go to Texas? No, it doesn't. I think Darian's a, a big-time lean himself to Texas. I think uh, the circle still wants to kind of complete this recruiting process. I actually think going into next weekend, assuming he goes to Texas A&M, that Ohio State's second for him right now. And wow. so I think AM's got a little ground to make up. Um, but I expect them to make that ground up. I mean, this is just always a recruitment that I felt like was going to be close to home at the end of the day, and nothing's changed. Oklahoma had a great official visit to start June, but they didn't make the final three. 
So I think that kind of is telling um, it, to where Texas is in this recruitment. And now it's up to A&M to upset Texas because I just don't think Ohio State's going to get there. Hey, Brent Venables is a recruiter. Uh, I'm sure he's hardworking. He came across as a little hyper. He, he, he in the Big 12 media days, he, it's like he put in a cocaine suppository before the press conference. <laughs> what, what's the deal with Venables? Yeah, I think they're doing a great job as a staff recruiting. You know, I really do. Look, I think they're hitting the areas they have to hit. I mean, that I, I can't say his last name, but P.J. Adebaware, the, the, the edge kid out of Kansas City. Those are the – those are he's a five-star for us. We put him in the top ten in the country. He was – you want to talk about twitched-up dude at IMG. I mean, he's 6'4 and a half, 215. And he is electric with his twitch. And he looks like a cat ready to pounce in his stance. And he still has no idea what he's doing. But my point is, I think they're hitting the areas. And I think that's the experience. They brought in a guy that understands where you have to recruit at Oklahoma to maximize what you can do. And he didn't come in and start going to California and trying to recruit 10 guys. He came in knowing how Bob Stoops built that program back. And he was a, Venables was a big part of it. And it's DFW. It's Kansas City. It's those areas. It's Houston. It's Central Texas. It's East Texas. It's Louisiana. And I think they're really hitting those areas hard. And look, they're still going to recruit North Carolina. They're still going to recruit in Florida. I mean, Tampa, they just got a linebacker from Tampa. Venables got a few really good players out of Tampa, you know, when he was there under Stoops. And so I think he's hitting all the same areas when Oklahoma built back uh, when Bob Stoops got that job. So I think they're doing the right things himself as a closer a lot of competition out there. I don't think that's necessarily going to be his strength. It's going to have to be full staff recruiting. Has Sark gotten better closing? Has he gotten better at asking for the business? I think he's got – I think he's more aggressive. Yeah, I, I think last year – look, he's such a laid-back Cali guy, right? And it's part of what people like about him. Um, and I think it's what I think an Arch Manning really loves about him, right? And probably a Mac Jones really loved in Tua. Um, probably Bryce Young in recruiting. But I do think in Texas, it's a, it's aggressive closing in Texas. I mean, you know, with, with Jimbo at A&M, um, you know, in, in Nick Saban at Alabama and whoever was at Ed at LSU, right? I mean, you're talking about aggressive closer. Um, so, yeah, I think Sark had to change. I mean, I go back to the Bryce Anderson recruitment um, when Texas had a big lead for that one. I, I think there was a point in time where Bryce was sitting in the coach's office and the family was sitting there waiting for Sark to kind of close this deal and be aggressive and, 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 and take him off the table for A&M. And that didn't happen. And I think that was a learning experience. It, it, and, and I think he's definitely a lot more aggressive now. That's good. Uh, Jordan Matthews, a kid out of Baton Rouge. It's amazing we're even talking about this. I mean, I, my family is originally from Louisiana. The, the notion of when LSU is a viable option that any Louisiana kid would leave state. I mean, there's, there's the famous legend of Billy Cannon, right? He was sort of a juvenile delinquent and he appears before a judge. He's signed, he's going to Ole Miss. He's already, right. bags are delivered, Jerry. <laughs> and uh, the judge says, you can go to jail or you can go to LSU. And Billy Cannon's like, I think I'm going to Baton Rouge. So yes. and the rest how is, is this happening? Is this a broad, is it, is this having a Yankee as your head coach? What's going on? Nah, I don't think it's that. I think, look, everybody just assumed he was going to go to LSU because his father played at LSU. Right. 
Um, actually, Fowler played when Bo Davis played at LSU. So there's another – there. Texas has a lot of connections in Louisiana, right? It's oh, a Terry Joseph, Bo Davis. They're all in on this recruitment uh, from talking to somebody in the high school circles down there. Uh, look, but it, I, I feel like it's Texas uh, versus Alabama. I think Tennessee – there's been a little chatter about Tennessee in the last week or so. I'm not saying the kid's going to end up there. Don't get me wrong. I think it's Texas and Alabama. Clearly, I think one of the interesting dynamics in that recruitment is, um, look, Nick Saban's got a lot of really talented corners on the board, but with Malik Muhammad going to Texas, is does Nick turn the heat up a little more on Jordan Matthews? And, of course, everybody's natural response, well, of course he will. Well, it doesn't work that way. I, I, Nick can go recruit anybody he wants anywhere. So, uh, But is that kind of a reaction from Saban in this instance because – he knows that Jordan Matthews is a Texas-Alabama deal. Um, and, you know, Muhammad may have been higher on their board than Matthews. But, you know, now do you sit there? Uh, because, look, I think Bama's getting Caleb Downs next week. I think they're going to beat Georgia for, I think, top two safety in America. Uh, so this defensive back class, you want, Alabama looks like they're building a monster class, by the way, um, which should not shock anybody. As, as pissed as Nick's been since he lost to Jimbo and Kirby <laughs> in the same oh. year. Uh, but, uh, you know, and it's Sark in the fall and, and, uh, yes. Yeah. And Bo and Banks and flood, all the guys that used to work for him on the sideline across from him, boy, that one's going to be, uh, there's going to be a lot. So you think Nick Saban wants that game very bad in Austin for recruiting purposes, but yeah. So it'll be interesting to see this. Does Alabama go turn the heat up on Matthews or do they go in a different direction? I don't think we know yet that answer. Uh, but Nick loves to take guys out of Louisiana. They're really fast, talented guys. But I think right now Texas is a team to beat. I think the visit next weekend for Matthews will be huge because here's the flip side to that. Could Alabama try to push for him? Sure. But now you look at it and you say, okay, Texas has two safeties committed. Now Muhammad's committed at corner. Okay, these kids and these families know what's going on. Toviano's now uh, considering Texas more stronger than he was. Um, do we need to go ahead and jump in the boat here if that's where we want to be? So that can work both ways. And so it's going to be interesting to see if Matthew sticks on that timeline of making those September visits to both Texas and Alabama before he decides. His timeline may get pushed out of uh, just having to make a decision earlier. All right, similar to that, we've got the Jalen Hale, Mikhail Harrison pilot dynamic. Sounds to me, I'm not, I don't have any inside info. Sounds to me like the staff might prefer Hale. I think they like both. Uh, Harrison yeah. Pilot sort of keeps his own counsel. This yes. is a guy with a final three of what, Texas, Cal, and Houston? Yes. I yes. don't think that's for lack of suitors. I just think no. that's who he likes. Yeah, no, no doubt. His father, obviously, his father's played at Houston. Uh, father played at Lufkin High, then uh, University of Houston. Uh, but look, let's start with Jalen Hale because I think that's where this is headed um I'll be surprised if Hale doesn't end up at Texas yes here I am on your podcast underestimating Nick Saban right but I'll go ahead and underestimate him on this one I I just think Hale is probably going to end up at Texas look he may be at Alabama next weekend he may be at Texas we'll see um the mom didn't get to make the first trip to Alabama uh so maybe they do that he's got the visit scheduled for Alabama September 3rd and then Texas the 10th uh, but I think right now, look, I, I, let's just say for our podcast, we're going to pencil him in at Texas and let's go from there. Um, he's close with with Jonte Cook and, and 
Malik Muhammad, like the day before they all came down for Future 50, all of all three of those guys were at John Tay Cook's house. I mean, there's there's a connection there. And and let's also say this. You have to recruit East Texas well. You cannot abandon East Texas. Now, East Texas hasn't had the, as many high-level prospects the last two or three classes as they did for many years. Uh, but if there's a really good player, and he's at a Longview, or he's at a Lufkin, or John Tyler, oh, so Tyler High, sorry, Tyler High, Tyler Legacy, um, you, you need to get some of those guys if you're Texas or Texas A&M or, or whoever, especially Texas and Texas A&M. So this is a big recruitment, and, and this doesn't play into it, but look, I mean, are the King family happy with A&M right now? I'd say it's 30-70. Um, is Haynes King going to graduate from A&M in December and, and transfer? I'd say it's a high probability. Uh, so it's there for the taking. Um, and I think Sarkeesian's always liked Jalen Hale. And I think Brennan Marion's developed a really good relationship. And I think there's an opportunity to go get a, a really talented receiver out of Longview High. Um, and that is what recruitment you need to win. Uh, have you ever interacted with King, the head coach? I, John King's one of my favorite coaches of all time. Very he, rough, uh, no-nonsense fella. He is one of my favorite coaches ever. And look, you know, I grew up on the sidelines and in locker rooms and uh, ball boying it on Friday night. I, I love John King. I, I love Coach King. Uh, some people are, it's kind of like, it's kind of like Kevin Murray. A lot of people are kind of taken aback by Kev because you can't, honestly, you can't bullshit Kevin because he's going to throw it right back at you. And I love that about Kevin Murray. Uh, can, by the way, congrats to Kyler on a $250 million extension <laughs> today. Uh, not bad business, $45 million a year. Um, but I think Coach King is the same way because if you – I just know from visiting there, you know, we go in there and talk about players. Um, it, it, he'll throw it in your face, and not in a bad way. It's just, hey, it's the conversation. He's going to look you in the eye and say, hey, you know what, Jerry, I don't agree with that. This is what I see. And some guys, you know, they don't – can't handle that really and he coaches the same way um he coached his kid as hard as a coach will ever coach their son um and and i've seen him coach all those kids really hard and i will say this paul it's the most entertaining practice you'll ever go to in your life and i'll leave it at that <laughs> <laughs> i think i have uh, i think i got a good sense of what that means hey uh a guy who is not like harrison pilot or hale he's not under any kind of clock or worried about space cedric baxter from florida Texas will hold a spot to him till signing day, but is he going to jump on board? It's, is he still going to jump on board in August? Wait, so say that one again. I had to respond to a text. Sorry. No worry, but no worries. Uh, Cedric Baxter, is he still? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, uh, the number one running back in the country for on three, and I'm firmly behind that, by the way. Uh, and that's not a knock on Ruben Owens. I think Cedric Baxter is a big-time dude, 6'1", 217. Uh, you know, he my, yeah, he can catches it well. Uh, okay. You know, if there's a negative to said Baxter, it's the same negative, and I'm not comparing him as a player, so leave that alone. Same negative Adrian Peterson had. Really long arms, so it's hard to perfectly pocket a football. That doesn't show up in high school. It shows up in college in the NFL, right? I mean, Adrian Peterson still has the, 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 the tightest, most painful handshake I've ever had in my rec recruiting industry career. But he still fumbled the ball a high, higher rate than most in the NFL because he, his arms are so long. He couldn't perfectly pocket a football. Like the best running back body types are short arms, big hands, right? 
ball perfectly pockets. You have these big, strong hands. Full, full points of contact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Steve Mariucci does it at Under Armour every year, four points. So if there's something that Cedric Baxter's going to have to watch at the next level, it's a natural thing, man. Um, that's it. But he is – Charles Power compares him to Larry Johnson from LSU, uh, from Penn State. I kind of see some Melvin Gordon in him, just more, more of a style, I think, uh, stylistically as a runner. But I can see Larry Johnson too. But we think he's tremendous, man. He's a great kid. He's got a level of intelligence to him when you talk about him. He can catch the ball. And he doesn't have – he's not a guy with a lot of carries. That's another thing you got to like about Seth Baxter. Look, he played safety as much as he did running back his first two years of high school football. Last year he became the guy, and he had a 40-carry game. He had 300-yard games. Uh, so he's proven he can carry it 40 times, take the hits, fall forward and keep going, come back the next game and go for over 200. So he's, he's proven that he's got that. Uh, but his recruitment, I, I look, I'll be surprised if he doesn't go to Texas. I've been wrong before. Um, Miami's not going to give up on that deal, obviously. Uh, you know, Florida's not going to give up. a not going to give up. But uh, I'll be surprised if that doesn't go Texas way August 10th. And the reason is to short choice. I think the short choice got to Texas with a great relationship with said Baxter. And one thing I underestimated about the said Baxter recruitment, and I think the people probably – around the Edgewater program um, underestimated was was the relationship with the shark with choice because I here's where I underestimated it Paul if you're going to put Ruben Owens on the back burner you have a hell of a lot of confidence in a relationship with your running back in Orlando Florida who's ranked the number one running back in the country yeah if Clum is at the dance club with you and says let's get out of here and you're like hold yeah. on I'm working on something else yeah <laughs> there you go that's it's, yeah you're pretty confident something pretty happened confident. You're pretty confident, and that was a confident move by Ch Coach Choice. Hey, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this. You mentioned Adrian Peterson and sort of his freakishness with the long arms. So uh, not long after I'm out of uh, college, I'm, going, I'm in Phoenix in August because I'm a cheap <laughs> bastard, and you could stay in a four-star for like $80 a night, right? I'm there with my girlfriend. We're just enjoying the pools, sitting under the mister, drinking margaritas, and Playboy, I think, is doing their All-American shoot. And Adrian Peterson's there with a bunch of All-Americans all working out at the gym when I'm there. Right. And uh, all the players in there jacking around. They've got the music way up. Um, I'm over, you know, trying to do my arm curls or whatever. I'm doing. <laughs> and they're all talking trash to each other. And they're, they're doing jumps. They've got some mats stacked up. And they're doing jumps. And they've got it at about 30, 36 inches. I don't know how tall. And they're jumping. And Adrian Peterson's just sitting in the back, shaking his head, like, y'all sorry. And so they're like, show us, Adrian. Yeah, He's, he was like the high jump guy that didn't get in until it went to seven feet, right, at the meet. <laughs> Listen to this. He grabs 45-pound plates in each hand, walks over to what they're jumping on, and jumps straight up. No running start, jumps straight up off the ground like a cat and lands in flat feet. I want all of you to go grab two 45 pound plates and try to jump over your doorstep. Yeah. It, the mechanics don't work. He's Look, a I, I say this all the time and um, people know that have talked to me about this stuff. I think Vince Young's the best college football player I've ever seen and will, will ever see in my life. If somebody comes along better than that, holy hell. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you feel the same way. But with that being said, Adrian Peterson's the best prospect that I've ever seen in, in my years doing this. And, and I actually would put Casey Hampton too, 
probably for some of those same reasons. A total freak athlete at six foot, 310, 320, 280, whenever he's younger in high school. But Adrian Peterson to this day is still the best. Um, to, and that story is unbelievable. It doesn't surprise me. I mean, when you just saw him for the first time, you were like, oh. And then when he, every time he stuck his foot in the ground, it was like a vertical just explosion, man. And, and when guys would contact him in high school, I mean, it, those guys hurt when they contacted him. And, and it's not like he was built like Ricky Williams either, right? I mean, he is a total freak athlete. And I hope I'm lucky enough to see another one of those, but I don't think I will. Yeah, I'd like to see another one of those at Texas. Uh, <laughs> hey, I want to talk a little bit about the edge because I've got a little bit of a pet peeve on edge players in that obviously I want a great player, but right. I like height. I like length specifically on the edge. Yes. For many reasons. There's leverage reasons. You want to be able to contact your hands first before the offensive lineman does. You There's so much of the passing game now that's, that's, that's lateral that mm -hmm. having a six foot six guy out there with 80 inch arms, you're going to bat down balls. You're going to get interceptions. You're going to interfere with the flow of that offense. It's a great point, Paul, with the quick game, quick game, passing game. You're yeah. not going to get to the quarterback. So how do you affect the play? It's length. So Braylon Shelby and Colton Vosick, both long edge guys. Uh, look, I, I love uh, what Texas has in Justice Finley. He's about six, two, right? Yeah. Good day. Uh, and look, if Dwight Freeney wants to play here, I'll take him. No problem. Right. But absent Dwight Freeney's and those sorts of freaks, boy, there's a lot of value to being six foot four plus with long arms playing the edge. Uh, is Texas, you know, serious considerations for these guys or, or, is, you know, what do you think is going to happen here? Yeah. Uh, full disclosure, uh, uh, Texas in the mix for some, um, Braylon Shelby, Vosick, uh, uh Akana out of, out of Hawaii who plays at Skybridge in, in Salt Lake City. Um, Billy Walton's in the boat. Uh, but this is my the position that concerns me in this class, honestly. I, I think Shelby could be trending slightly to USC. We'll see what mm -hmm. happens. And he is that guy you're talking about. Look, um, we're talking about on Inside Texas. I guess it was on the prospect board the other day. Somebody said, well, I like Akana more than Shelby. And I said, well, I like Shelby more than Akana, and here's why. Akana's going to be 19 in December. Yeah. Braylon Shelby hasn't turned 17 yet. He's 6'5", 235, 82-inch wingspan, triple jump, 45 feet. It's just scratching the surface. And you see a guy that's going to be 6'5", 265, with that wingspan, those 10-inch hands, and be able to affect plays more than just rushing the passer. Connor's a 6'3 guy with 78-inch wingspan. Not bad, but not what you're talking about either. Um, Vasek is not a super long guy like an Ethan Burke, who I think fits the mold of what you're talking about. But I think Shelby is one of the recruitments that if Texas doesn't win, I'm not sure where you find something else like that. Um, because look, Texas did a great job evaluating Ethan Burke late last year and, and got him to back away from the lacrosse football combination and go to Texas. And I think Shelby's the guy in this class that's that level prospect that you can say, okay, he's a good player now, but one year in college, watch out. Um, I think Vosick's a great technician, um, and I think he's going to be a solid player wherever he goes. Obviously, his father played at Texas, a D-line coach at Westlake. Um, he may not quite have that upside of a Shelby or Ethan Burke. Doesn't mean he's not going to be as good a player, but what you're talking about. And then Akana, you know, he's just an older guy. He's going to be closer to physically tapping out uh, sooner, um, and that's obvious. He's a year and a half older than Shelby. So 
to your point, Shelby's a big recruit. Now, let's also factor in Darian Gillette there a little bit because he's recruited as an off-the-ball linebacker. But, look, I've always looked at that guy and said he's going to be 6'3", 255. He's going to the edge. And he's going to be an edge guy in time. Yeah, and especially, you know, coming off the knee now, um, I think he's going to be more of a downhill edge player. Not that medicine isn't great and recoveries aren't great, but we'll just go with our – years of experience here where, where his body's going to go so there's one more player that factors into that does texas try to get in on damon wilson look damon wilson who we ranked four in the country at on three uh in our uh, on 300 update um he doesn't fit that that mold you're talking about he's six three and a half but he's 79 80 inch wingspan guy but he's a big time player i mean big time player when alabama and georgia and miami are all fighting for you're a big time player and ohio state right i mean that's the four that texas joined uh, does Texas make a play there? Look, he put Texas in his final five. I talked to him on the phone. He's like, Texas is just a place I've always wanted to visit. And he said, before Arch Manning committed, I had interest in, in, in visiting them. His dad's a personal trainer. Uh, I think he's has his dad has some interest uh, in a visit to Texas as well. We'll see what if Texas moves on him. I, I think the communication is there, but I don't think Texas is going to do anything to scare away a Braylon Shelby recruitment or Vosick or Gillette right now. And since Wilson's recruitment's gonna go a little bit longer, but that's a name to remember um, that I think the Texas players are gonna be recruiting him. The Arch Mannings of the world are gonna be recruiting Damon Wilson. So that's another option that's out there. I think it's a long shot. Look, the kids was at Georgia the same weekend Arch was. Uh, he, was at, he was at Alabama uh, June 17th. He's been on campus at Miami and Ohio State. And that's one of those, uh, huge recruitments uh, for the University of Miami. If, if, if Mario Cristobal is going to make a statement in this class, beating Nick Saban and Kirby Smart for one of the top edge prospects, if not the top edge prospect in the country, would be one of those. So that's the type of recruitment Texas would be diving into. And it's been talked about it inside Texas. Why isn't Texas all going all in on Wilson? Well, they got to figure out if that's worth their time. I mean, you don't just dive into Venice, Florida, if, if your percentages are two. I mean, that's a waste of time. But my point is, he's a guy who could emerge. So there could be somebody else that visits Texas that's one of the top edge guys in the country. But I think the Braylon Shelby recruitment's a big one. If that goes USC's way, I, I'm not seeing – the edge position is the one position that worries me a little as far as you're going to sign a top five class, but are you going to fill every need? That's the position I'm watching. Yeah, I mean, so the end of the July, this is a huge recruiting weekend for Texas. Texas is going to potentially fill – what – three to five more spots before I think so yeah I think you're looking at 24 commitments by by the kickoff of the first game if not 25 unbelievable so here's my thought and this is the development part of me that I love these kind of guys particularly how much powder do you keep dry for the inevitable two to three guys in the state of Texas who played basketball you know the guy right played basketball till they were junior they decided to go out for football they don't know how to line up Right. All of a sudden they grow three inches during the summer and they put on 30 pounds because they never lifted weights before. And all of a sudden this guy is a great edge. He's a great potential offensive lineman. Fill in the blank. How much right. powder do you keep dry or do you take these sure things and, and wrap up your top four, top five class? I, I think they're going to take as many sure things as they can. I, I, I think Texas would have 27 kids and that, and this isn't. This kind of goes against what I've said, but I think Texas has more momentum than they've ever had for Sark. 
is that, you know, you recruit through the whistle. You recruit through the whistle unless you don't have to. <laughs> I mean, unless the, the whistle blows in September, okay, and in and, and, and July and August. I think Texas has zeroed in. I think there's 27 kids that could commit to them right now, and they'd be just tickled if they all were committed by the time they kicked off the first ball September 3rd. Um, so we'll see if that happens. I, I think I, I do like that Sarkeesian's pushing this momentum right now. Uh, I think the, when, you, when you have it, 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 you don't get many opportunities like this unless you coach in Tuscaloosa and win a national title every two years. So when you get this opportunity, you better go at it. And that's what the Texas staff is doing. Um, but to your point, I think there will be, I think maybe look in Louisiana too. There's an edge kid, Ashley Williams, who committed in Nebraska. Uh, Terry Joseph versus Mickey Joseph, potential recruitment his senior year would be fun. Uh, just to talk about, but there's going to be some kids like that in Louisiana as well that pop up. You know, uh, maybe you look into Florida, you look into Georgia, so maybe it's not just Texas. But to your point, they're going to keep evaluating. That's for sure. That's the one thing you know uh, about this staff. Um, uh, the uh, the guy that kind of runs recruiting that came over from NC State, they did such a great job evaluating players at NC State. That program was being talked about. What is a top ten preseason? I don't know if I buy the hype, but. They've done a great job evaluating when he was there. Um, and so I think they will continue to do that, and we'll see. But like I said, if 25, 26, 27 of the right guys commit, that's how many commits they're going to have before the first game of the year. Yeah, that's crazy. That's amazing. Uh, hey, speaking of playing through the whistle, I heard a funny comment once by a guy, a coach, uh, a friend of mine who was a coach, and he, he was confided in this. He was watching a practice, and uh, it was in the Makovic era, Tony Brackens player I love, an absolute stud. Oh, yeah. Um, yes. Freaking 250 pounds playing a three technique in that 3-4 defense, right? Being misused and still dominating. But uh, there was some effort issues on a, a certain play in a scrimmage or something, and the coaches, you know, defensive coaches pulled everyone in and said, I want you to play through the whistle. And this guy leaned over to this buddy of mine, and he goes, Tony Brackens is the whistle, meaning <laughs> he you. was the guy that made the play that ended the play, right? Right. Yes, so, you know, absolutely. If you can't play, if you can't be the whistle, play through the whistle. That's it. You got. It. And now they Tony Brackens throws hay bales around, not players, not not quarterbacks anymore, right? He's a, has his farm in Fairfield. His daughter's on state championship basketball teams at Fairfield. But yeah, I, that's what I hear. I hear he's now throwing hay bales around. So yeah, it never really it never leaves the system. Totally does it. Well, that's that's how he prepped for Texas. So uh, of course he came in. He started as a true freshman and had like yes. nine or ten sacks. He was 230 pounds. So Blake Brockermeyer was telling me that he was in practice one day going against Brackens and things were getting a little heated. It's the summer. Everyone's pissed off. The coaches are making the drill go extra to kind of get a fight going, get everyone fired up. And Brackens and, and Brockermeyer square off and they each grab each other's face masks and they're kind of swinging at each other. And Tony rips his face mask off of his helmet. So he's Country's just wearing strong. shell. Country just, strong. Yeah, so he looks like a 1930s player. He just has the shell. And he said it was so ridiculous, the fight instantly stopped. And he and Tony just both looked at his face mask in his hand. And they both kind of were like, okay, I guess the fight's over when you pull my face mask off. You know what's crazy about that story, Paul? That is, I mean, Blake Brockemeyer to this day is maybe as physical of an offensive lineman as you'll see. At the oh, no doubt. I mean, look, I mean, it's too bad as kids can't stay healthy because I know Texas fans have fun with that now, but you never want to see kids have injury issues. But Tommy Brockermeyer was one hell of a prospect before the injury set in. And um, 
you know, the, 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 his brother as well just got hurt again in the spring at Alabama. And, that, and that's unfortunate if those guys can't maximize their talent. But Blake was so physical. And then Tony Brackens, that's a great story because two of the most physical guys ever. And you don't see it as many guys that physical now, or at least I don't at the high school level. No, you know, the, the spread changed football. Yeah. In a lot of ways. Um, some for the good, some for the bad. And we're going to sound like a couple of olds bemoaning it, but some of the changes were good. Some of them were bad. It made football more entertaining. Uh, it allowed certain basketball type athletes to now play football and excel, but you lost some physicality. You know, nobody's running the freaking veer anymore. No, no. And, and, and I think the speed of the game, I don't want to sound like Nick Saban here, but the speed of the game too, right? I mean, guys are more mentally tired now. You don't yeah. have 20 seconds to go and then turn around and go just hit somebody as hard as you can the next play. It, 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 I don't want to say it's basketball and grass. It's not, but it's still a physical game. But some of that, that speed of the game has taken some of the physicality away on a play-to-play basis, in my opinion. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Uh, when you're fatigued, you're not going to hit as hard. You're not as physical. Right. I mean, in high school, I played, you know, you had a nice little chat in between each play. Yeah. You'd sort of dick around in the huddle and chat a little, and you might check out some cheerleaders on the opposing team, and then ready, break, and then there's another play. But you had a nice five seconds. I'll tell you what's crazy is I, I, I was looking at some old box scores a couple of years ago from, like, uh, and my dad kept from some of their big games. Like 45 plays got run. Yeah, this was when Trevor Cobb was at Dobie, right? <laughs> and Craig Stevens, the fullback, went to Baylor. And they're running wing T and they ran like 47 plays. And now you can go to a high school game in Texas and they're running 110 plays. Yeah. And, and this is, we're getting off on a tangent, but people want to say, well, well, how, how do we control concussions in football? Well, you're not because guys are playing more twice as many plays now in college football or in high school football as they were a decade, 15 years ago. And you're mentally tired. So your technique is going to be flawed. And then guys are bigger, stronger, and faster at the same time. So all these people are like, oh, we got to, you know, we got to control concussions. Well, that's kind of what I think Nick Saban was getting at. You better control the, the speed of the game. It, 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 you better control that a little bit because it's just not – if 6'3", 250-pound linebacker is, is playing 85 snaps in a game, he's going to get concussed or somebody's going to get concussed. It, it, the odds are, too, are twice what they used to be. Yeah, Nick uh, brought up the player safety issue, then quietly transitioned his entire roster and then started <laughs> running, hurry up, to, uh, spread. <laughs> hey, the guy's adaptive. Let's give him that. Hey, that's the most adaptive guy in his 60s and 70s I've ever encountered. I'm, I'm, more, I'm more of a stick in the mud, more set in my ways than that 70-year-old guy, and hats off to him. Yeah, l- l- think about this. Think about this with Nick. I know we probably have a couple other positions to hit on defense, but think about this. You, you watched how, how much he adapted to the change in the college game to keep winning national championships. You saw Coach K go to the one-and-done game and never go back to what made him successful. And yeah. Jay Wright started doing what Coach K did to be successful. And Jay Wright had a better program for the last decade than Coach K did at Duke. So credit to Saban for being adaptive all the time and continuing to stay on top of the game where I don't think coach K did. That's, that is a great, great example. Uh, nailed it. That, that is exactly right. And uh, yeah, I mean, look, that's why Saban's the goat of college football. They that's just, it. Yeah. I mean, I don't care how you feel about them. It's like yeah. come, 
tell me how you feel about the law of gravity. If you jump out of a building, it's going to work. It's going to act upon you, right? Yep. Yep. No doubt. So, all right, let's talk about something that's not quite as uh, guaranteed as the law of gravity. And that's some of these guys that are worth watching is, okay. is how you characterize them. Uh, Javen Toviano. Yep. Peyton Kirkland. And uh, Deuce Robinson. Is this a complete pipe dream, Deuce Robinson? Are you just teasing us, Jerry? This is bullshit. Look, when he, if he's going to take an official visit, you, I, I got to have him in the worth watching. And, and the, when you're communicating with Arch Manning and you're tied in, you got to be worth watching. Do I think he's going to go to USC? Yes. Um, but look, that's why, that's why I always say it gets real when a kid takes a visit. So that kid's going to take an official visit to Texas September 10th weekend and his family. And I'm not sure whatever happens with the score of the football game, I, I can only imagine what Austin and Texas is going to be like that weekend. And that's honestly, USC is not going to be able to compare to that. No. If you want to go to USC, you're going to USC to play for Lincoln Riley because that atmosphere is not going to compare unless Texas is playing Pete Carroll in the Rose Bowl again. Okay. It's just not going to compare. So if, if the kid gets on, makes that official visit, which he's scheduled to make, I think Texas is going to end up being a player in the recruitment because the offense, Steve Sarkeesian's offense, Arch Manning coming in, all the guys, uh, it's a favorable offense for a tight end if they have the guy they want. And I think you're going to see more of that this year on the field. Uh, so could a Jatavion Sanders look really appealing to the Robinson family? So is it's USC's the favorite. I'm taking USC to win the recruitment. But let's see what happens after the visit. Uh, do we really want to jump down the Peyton Kirkland rabbit hole here? <laughs> I, I actually don't. <laughs> I'm not sure I do. Uh, let's go to Tobiano. Let's go to Tobiano. Okay. Is there any way we can connect Deuce Robinson with Jordan Addison to talk NIL? Hey, there you go. I don't think we want to go down that rabbit hole either. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm going to spare you the, the rabbit hole of Kirkland. But David Hicks, here's another enticing possibility. I still feel like we're we're gonna finish maybe a, a respectable third or a strong second. But talk to me, Jerry. How how do we get David Hicks? I think just keep building the momentum. Look, that's a recruitment that similar to Anthony Hill. AM's got Anthony Hill and David Hicks circled, right? They have to, they have to come strong in those two recruitments. Otherwise, if Anthony Hill pops to Texas. And then David Hicks is sitting out there waiting until the first week in January. He'll probably sign in December and keep it quiet and then announce at the Under Armour game like a lot of kids do. But if that recruitment plays on, plays out that long, and Texas has momentum and they start winning some games on the field now, and, you know, AM doesn't go win the national championship this year but is sitting there at 9-3 and three or 8-4, and four, then, you know, it, it becomes a little more, more vulnerable for them. And – Todd Bates is a strong presence with the Hicks family at Oklahoma. Uh, that's where he's going to be next weekend, not AM or Texas. He's going to Oklahoma with his mom. So I, I think he has the top seven, but you're right. It's a three-team race right now. The communication's been the best it's been with Texas since June 23rd, 11, 16 a.m. Um, 20 minutes after that was when the first text came into Texas. After 20 minutes after Arch committed and the communication's been strong since then, he showed up the first week in June for an unofficial visit. He says he's going to make an official visit in December. This is a recruit through the whistle one. And, and this is more of a – this is more one that Texas would relish beating A&M in Oklahoma on, I think. As talented of a player as Hicks is, 
this is just one of those big battle royale recruitments. But Texas, I think, needs to win Anthony Hill to keep the kind of that momentum going. Yeah. Uh, so are you implying that my $20,000 offseason bet on Texas A&M to win the national championship is wasted money? I, I, is that what you did? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you may know recruiting. I know betting. So <laughs> stick, stick to your lane, Hamilton. <laughs> I don't know betting. All right. Well, I guess I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to parlay. You got to have another, you have another guest for betting. That's the one thing I don't do. Okay. Well, good to know. All right. Jamarius Brown, talk about a bet. Talk about a dark horse. This is a, okay. Explain this to me. Small town, Mississippi kid uh, from the descriptions of it. Like there's, there's not a stoplight in the town. Uh, the, the football team plays in their bare feet in like a potato field. How is Texas getting this guy even out of Mississippi, much less all the way down to Austin, Texas? All right. So Moss Point isn't exactly that, but I love that. Um, okay. So sorry. I got it carried away. I'm a storyteller. Yeah, exactly. Moss Point's had some really good players over the years. They used to play Shreveport Evangel back when Evangel was really strong. So that tells you the talent level Moss Point's had. Look, this is a recruitment that um, – that's a Bo Davis Connections recruitment, honestly. It, look, he recruited that area at Alabama. He's recruited that area for years. Um, and so I think that one came through some high school coaches there because Jamarius Brown, look, I called him and did an interview with him. He doesn't have a phone. I, I, I DM'd him on Twitter. He said, I, I got to call you back. And, and, and it was a number from Atlanta. And I, and I just, I was, I didn't even know who it was. And I picked up, he said, Hey, this is Jamarius. I said, you have a phone number from Atlanta? He said, no, I don't have a phone. This is my friend's phone. So this is how difficult he is to get in touch with for college coaches. Everything goes to a high school coach, which makes him a sleeper in our business. He's not a kid that's going to Dallas or Atlanta for an Under Armour camp. He, that's just not going to happen with him. He's been on campus at Arkansas, Alabama, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Florida State, I believe. But he's not a kid that publicizes it a lot on social media. So he's the total opposite of most kids. But make no mistake, I think – 6'3", 265, 270, whatever he is, pound for long arms, pound for pound. He's as, probably as athletically talented as any guy in this class. He is a really talented guy. I mean, he's a guy who looks like Henry Melton when he takes a handoff playing running back. He kicks off and makes the tackle in small school football. Yeah, it's small school football, but there's still a level of athleticism when you're that big. When he lines up standing up on the edge, he looks like a big-time athlete, and Alabama wants this guy. It's Ole Miss wants this guy. Tennessee wants this guy. He's scheduled to come to Austin next weekend, last week in July, with both of his parents. And I, I think Texas has a shot. Um, that visit happens. He's not a guy that I don't think is going to make a decision in September. I think goes to the fall into official visit. So Texas will get an unofficial and official visit. But let's assume they make it to campus. I think Texas will be right there in it because uh, Bo Davis will keep Texas in it. Is he the kid that at halftime he's in his football pads playing tuba with the band? Yes. And homecoming king, yes. All I freaking love that. I love going to small town football games, and you yes. see like three football players playing like tuba and trombone during the halftime. It's the best in their pads. Yes, in their pads, and then they go in, and then they they're in the homecoming court after right after at, at the same time. They drop Absolutely. the tuba when they get in the homecoming court. Go back to the tuba. <laughs> no halftime adjustments. No, yeah. We're not worried about it because he's the alpha anyways. He's fine. He doesn't need to be. There's the no doubt. Player. All right. Is there anyone we haven't covered that Texas fans need to think about something that we could come out of, of left field for Texas? Uh, Jordan Hall, defensive tackle out of Jacksonville West side. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to reel you in on this, Paul. Let's is go. Is this like Deuce Robinson? 
It kind of is. I knew it. But here's the thing. Here, but this is where you get momentum in recruiting. Uh, Jordan Hall got to be kind of buddies with Sadir Mitchell. Sadir Mitchell commits to Texas. Jordan Hall uh, contacts Sadir Mitchell. Hey, I have interest in Texas. They've never recruited me, though. So Sadir Mitchell, uh, this is a story he told me at, at IMG last week, and calls Bo Davis, say, hey, Coach Coach, uh, Coach Bo, there's a D-tackle. He's really good. Uh, he Georgia wants him. We were talking about going to Georgia together. Uh, at Jacksonville, Westside High, you need to take a look at him. And, you know, I, I, I guess Texas watched the video on that and said, yeah, this guy's pretty damn good. How good is he? We have him 27 over on the country in the latest on 300. I think he's a really talented kid. 6'3 wow. with an 80-plus inch wingspan, big hands, quick first two steps. And his body's not even filled out yet. Um, he doesn't – he's not a guy that's the first guy off the bus yet. Uh, so he's a guy that has some upside still in him physically. But then Texas offered – what two Sundays ago the communication's been strong the kid wants to visit uh look everybody's after him Georgia Florida uh Miami Florida State all you know all all the usual schools are after him Ohio State so is it a long shot it's a long shot until they visit and then we'll see what happens but the communication's been there and this is one of those you know recruitments where momentum takes over and all you have to do is get them on campus and really get in the thick of the race and we'll see can Texas beat Georgia for two of their top four defensive linemen on the board? We'd say that's a stretch, but that would be almost your recruiting story of this class after Arch Manning if it happened. And he's in Jacksonville, is that right? Yeah, at West Side. He's not at one of the, the more the schools that's more well known. A lot of those guys, you know, Trinity Christian's somewhat falling apart in Jacksonville, but he's not at Ed White. He's not at First Coast. He's not at one of those schools that you hear year to year. Mandarin now is where a lot of kids go. Everything, Jacksonville's a weird area, man. Those kids move around a lot, depending on where's where, who's coaching where and the connection to the youth league football coach. Uh, but he's at Westside, not a school that's really known, but he is a talent. And that is the ultimate battle between Georgia and Florida, as yeah. demonstrated by the cocktail party, right? Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely is. And look, um, we, we, probably, this is, we probably don't have time to get into it, but, you know, Napier's taking some hits. Hits in recruiting this year. I mean, no, I've heard. Yeah, yeah, he's taking some hits, and you know, this is another big one for them. And John Walker, the D tackle out of Osceola, which Texas tried to get in on, they just couldn't get in on him. Derek LeBlanc looks like he's going to OU over Florida, so that's another factor with the Jordan Hall. Is if Florida and Florida's going to have a good class. Don't get me wrong; it's University of Florida. They're going to recruit well, but with these top guys in that Jacksonville and Orlando area, if a Cedric Baxter goes to Texas, if a Peyton Kirkland goes to Texas, I mean, so some of those guys are trending away and have been from Florida. So does that open the door more for Texas with a guy like Jordan Hall? We'll see. All right, Jerry, you've been more than generous with your time. This has been phenomenal. Uh, if you're a Texas recruit, Nick, if, hell, if you're a recruit, Nick, for college football, this podcast has been a treat. You've been fantastic. Any parting thoughts, Jerry? Uh, no, I think I think we covered it all, man. I mean, I'm actually ready for football games to sort of just practice. I'm ready for practice reports, Paul. I'm ready for some practice reports some right Chris now. Chris Rout? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, 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 this is a, this is a really big year for Texas football, in my opinion, on the field. I, I, I mean, it's a really big year when you have the momentum created with Arch Manning's uh, the top five class last year right the coaching carousel went texas way so suddenly you have three or four or five nfl prospects on the freshman class on the offensive line it's been a long time a long time 
this becomes a really big year on the field. You can't, I mean, seven and five, okay, but really Texas needs to go win eight or nine games this year after last year. I mean, there's just no way around it. I mean, it, with all the momentum that Arch Manning's created and Quinn Ewers coming home, by the way, and the guys in the portal, those guys need to have good years on the field. You know how much it would mean for Sarkeesian and recruiting if Ajay Hall went out and had a really good year at Texas after not really having a, a good year at Alabama? You know how much that would mean for Sarkeesian moving forward if Quinn Ewers had a look like an NFL quarterback, a guy that's going to be drafted after two years at Texas? I mean, this is a big year on the field for Texas football because you got to keep stacking top five, top six classes as you get ready to move into the SEC. And from a recruiting perspective, the class is going to be really good. It's the edge position, again, I, that I'm really looking at to see as Texas is going to meet their needs. I think they're going to push all the right buttons everywhere else. Yeah, this is a proof of concept year. That's it. And then it. secondly, there's two recruitments now. There's the traditional recruiting season, and then there's the portal recruiting season. Texas did a poor job in the portal last year. They did right. not meet their needs. They did not get the contributors they needed. They upgraded, it looks like, this group. Yep. And uh, this is important that these guys show out, that they play out, because once you have that proof of concept, not only as you know for recruiting, but for the portal recruiting, you're going to be... A, you're going to be a light bulb on a, on a nine o'clock, you know, Beaumont fishing pier yeah. uh, with a bunch of gnats and, and mosquitoes flying around you as, as I mean, try to find their spot. Hey, great point. Isaiah Naor, Ajay Hall, Tariq Milton. Those guys have good years for Sark this year. And that is a huge recruiting tool because it, it, and um, the tight ends, right? The same, yeah. same thing. Um, but those guys come to Texas and Isaiah Naor, look, he's a, I think he's an NFL draft pick before he comes to Texas. I trust margin hooks, and then you trust what your eyes tell you. But if he comes in and has that look, and Ajay Hall has that look, and Tariq Milton is a productive guy, is a fifth wide receiver, if that's what he is behind the, those three guys in Jordan Whittington, what if Brennan Thompson? I mean, all those portal guys and all those uh, freshman guys coming in, Ryan Watts plays a lot and has great things to say after a transfer from Ohio State. That portal can be very good for Texas this year, to your point. I love it. The talking season will soon be coming to an end. But, uh, yeah, I'm ready for football, man. But until then, you've been fantastic. Jerry, can't Absolutely. thank you enough. Yeah, Paul, anytime. All right, take care, buddy. Are you worried that recent events have derailed your retirement plans? It certainly made us reassess all aspects of ours. And that's why we're proud to offer our listeners a chance to work with David McClellan, a fiduciary financial advisor from Forum Financial. David's practice specializes in financial life coaching and retirement planning. And right now, he's offering free consultations for our listeners if you mention the podcast. As part of this consultation, David can help you understand your financial freedom number and what that means to you in assessing your future financial plans. If you want to build wealth, if you want to make optimal decisions within your financial life, David is someone you need to talk to. You can reach him at 312-933-8823. Once again, that's David McClellan at 312-933-8823. He's located in Austin, Texas, but he's got a nationwide clientele. Do yourself a favor and get some great financial advice for free and see if you might want to work with Mr. McClellan. I think you'll be happy with your phone call. Do you need a realtor in Central Texas? Of course you do. We all need a realtor in Central Texas. Even those of us who live in Dallas or Houston or San Francisco or Denver, Colorado, 
you need to go to Central Texas anyway. And the reason is Laura Baker is a fantastic realtor. She's great at what she does. She's a member of the elite Andy Allen team for Keller Williams. You can reach her at 512-784-0505. Talk with Laura if you're thinking about putting your house on the market. This is a great time to get market comps. Uh, if you're looking to buy in the market, you need all the help you can get. Call Laura and it's 512-784-0505. The Burnt Orange Bible is here. Of course, I'm talking about the 2022 Longhorn Football Prospectus, Thinking Texas Football. For the 10th year in a row, the best and most comprehensive Texas Longhorn and Big 12 preview is available. Every Longhorn opponent, deep dives on every Longhorn player, every position, every unit, every single aspect of the Texas program and every Texas opponent that you could possibly imagine. It is the best, most comprehensive preview out there. You need to get it. You can buy it at Amazon. That's where you can get the paperback version. It's 150 pages of burnt orange goodness. And then, of course, if you're Apple compatible, you can go buy it at the Apple store. Uh, it's on iBooks. You're going to have no problem finding it. Just put in 2022 Thinking Texas Football. It'll pop right up. It's one of the best sellers in the college uh, division. And then finally, if you're a Kindle reader, go to Smashwords and purchase the MOBI. That's Moby version for Kindle. And it's a seamless download in that format. Most of all, I want you to read it. I spent a ton of time on it. I'm really proud of the product. And based on the reviews that are pouring in on all three platforms, it sounds like the readers are pretty excited about it as well. Jump in and find out why it is the best Texas Longhorn fo football preview out there. And in addition, there's some great photography from Will Gallagher. There's also a couple of great recruiting articles from Inside Texas's own Eric Nalin. He breaks down the 2022 recruiting class. He also gives you the true insider scoop on how Texas landed the number one recruit in the country. That's 2023 Arch Manning. You may have heard of him. In any event, if you haven't heard of the Burn Orange Bible, that's Thinking Texas Football, you need to, and you need to go tell someone else about it. Make sure you support the book. Make sure you pass on the word to your Burn Orange tribe. You could do it on Facebook at Thinking Texas Football, or just throw it on your email list or tell your Texas exes group, whatever it is you do. I certainly appreciate you spreading word of mouth. And then finally, if you want the best 2022 Texas Longhorn and Big 12 preview available, and you also wanna be a part be a part of the best Texas Longhorn football conversation. In fact, conversation on all the sports at Texas, you need to join Inside Texas. And there's a little Easter egg in the book that you're going to be able to find that will let you do it as a new subscriber 50% off for one year. That's right. Save $50 at the best damn Texas Longhorn football website that money can buy. Texas Longhorn football preview and inside Texas. You can't beat it. Go do it now.